Uh, Leah Garland is going to come up this morning. Leah, come up. I think the last time Leah was with us, it was year one or two BC, before COVID. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, we're so glad to have Leah back. The theme this morning is death in the Psalms. And as Kevin and I were were kind of figuring out the schedule, well, Leah works for hospice. This is kind of a natural uh, so we're so glad to have you back thank up here. You. And I just want to pray a blessing over you. Awesome. God, just thank you so much for Leah. Thank you for her willingness to share her gifts with us. We just pray, Lord, that you would fill her to overflowing with your Holy Spirit, that you would flow through her to transform us by your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Tom. Well, this morning, to keep us in line with the theme of music, I will spare you my singing, but we are going to start off with a little Trolls video. So for all the kids in the room, we're going to get to listen to um, the sound of silence. So Joey, we're going to bring it over to you. Well, as much as I would love to focus on Poppy and the fun of her personality, today we're going to be saying, hello, darkness. What a way to kill the mood. (laughs) But looking at Branch, I think all of us, at least at some point in our lives, have felt like that. Get away, Poppy. I want to wallow in my own grief and my own suffering. So today I'm inviting you. We're all coming from unique places, unique places of darkness and grief. And I don't want to compare our griefs, but I want you to hopefully enter in with your own unique experiences. This chapter that we are going through today, Psalm 88, has been described as the saddest and the darkest chapter in the entire Bible. So, here we go. (laughs) What I hope as we go through this is that the theme we will get to, we're going to be pushing into the darkness, but eventually we're getting to God is good even in the dark. So that's our our theme slide there. So we will be getting there. Today we're talking about death and darkness. And if this is hitting you hard, please feel free to stand up, mill around in the back, even exit if this is too much. I Working in hospice, I've worked there for about 18 months, and I was talking to somebody who belongs to third. He's grieving the loss of his wife, and he told me, I can't listen to this series. I cry every time, and I cannot do the Psalms. So I don't know if he's going to be listening today, but I encouraged him just to keep pushing into it. Before we get to our Bibles, we've got Bibles in the back, page 586 there, and then we're going to be in the NIV version if you're on your Bible apps. But before we get to Psalm 88, I want to come over to the cross. In Lectio 365, for any of you who listened to that in May, they focused on Psalm 88. Talked about it was a lament to heal my troubled soul. Kathy did a beautiful job talking about lament a few weeks ago. And what Pete and his team said was, before we can experience the joy of Easter Sunday, we must first come and stand at the foot of the cross. To stand in the darkness of Holy Saturday. For those of us who love, we will all experience grief and loss at some points in our lives. 
So we are going to turn to Psalm 88. I'm going to break it into three sections. This is a tough chapter. I'm going to insert a few um, either little bits of translations from other versions of the Bible or some definitions that I looked up just to better understand what it was saying. So we're going to get to um, Psalm 88, verse 1 through 7 to start off. Lord, you are the God who saves me. This is a declaration of who God is. And then his petition. He says, day and night I cry out to you. May my prayer come before you turn your ear to my cry. And then his complaint. I am overwhelmed with troubles and my life draws near to death. I'm counted among those who go down to the pit. I am like one without strength. I am set apart with the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more, who are cut off from your care. You have put me in the lowest pit, in the darkest depths. Your wrath, your extreme anger lies heavily on me, You have overwhelmed me with all your waves. And then you can see in the little tiny script, it says Selah. That means to pause in his presence. I liked how in the Daily Reflection podcast, we learned that death can be really any depleting of life. It doesn't need to be the physical form of death, but it can be anything in your life that's taking away from what you think life should be. Our different places of darkness look different. Some of you today have way darker darks than I've had, and my heart goes out to you. Some of you haven't really reached a lot of darkness, and if that's you, then blessings to you, but know it's coming at some point. Our deep loss can be experienced from death of any age. That can be an elderly person. It can be down to an infant. It can be a stillbirth. It could be um, infertility. We could be looking at a disability. It could be divorce, disease, abuse, loss of a job, financial loss, and many others. And as I looked at verses 1 through 7, I really imagine this was somebody who was in deep depression. They were being overwhelmed by all the waves. Somebody with overwhelming anxiety that it is hard to continue on in life. I'm going to share a few of my books that have helped me kind of prepare for today. Faith for Exiles, an excellent book just on kind of the state of where faith is at today. They talked about over the past three decades, has technology has brought us so close to somebody across the world in an instant we can call somebody who's thousands of miles away. They said, yet within this world of instant and absolute communication unbounded by limits of time or space, we suffer from unprecedented alienation. We have never been more detached from one another or lonelier. And as we've added COVID-19 into all of this, we've been forced to isolate and to keep away from people, to pull out of community but we need community. We've seen mental health concerns for people of all ages. I've seen it many in our elderly population. There has been deep depression because of the isolation and the loneliness. 
We've seen it in our young people and everyone in between. I imagine these verses talking about somebody with a disease with no relief that goes day and day on and on and no resolution. And I imagine my patients that I see going through hospice when they've been given six months or less to live. I see them losing all of their strength and their ability to move. I'm gonna share an image of my mom hugging my stepdad here five years ago. We're all huddled, my sisters and I, in this little hospital room at University of Iowa. The doctor has just left the room as he's just told us that my mom, the fear of what we were thinking it might be, had an aggressive form of ALS. And she was given three to six weeks to live. This was a deep, dark place. 22, later, 22 days later, she went to be with Jesus. And this hug reminds me of a time my husband and I 13, almost 14 years ago. We embraced on our kitchen floor of our old home. Our firstborn daughter had been born and oh, we loved this girl and we had dreams for her. She was gonna move mountains and she was gonna do amazing things in her life. We had her planning to play on my husband's basketball team. Life was gonna be great. And that day we'd gotten the call from the doctor who confirmed what we were maybe thinking was possible that she had Down syndrome. And I said, we embraced on that kitchen floor. The tears fell and we grieved the loss of these dreams we had for her. What was this gonna be like? We were overwhelmed with the waves. Have any of you ever wondered why good things happen to bad people? Or maybe you've wondered like I have, have the things I've done in the past been a result in causing what's happened today and the bad things happening me, to me today? Let's keep going. You're bearing with me. Thank you. This is tough stuff. There is hope, though. Let's get through 8 through 10, a very short passage here with three verses back in Psalm 88. I'm sorry if you've already closed your Bibles. <laughs> Verse 8 says, you have taken me from my closest friends and have made me repulsive to them. I am confined and cannot escape. My eyes are dim with grief. I call out to you, Lord, every day I spread out my hands to you. Do you show your wonders to the dead in the cemetery? Do their spirits rise up and praise you? Selah. The word that jumps out to me from that passage is the word repulsive. I see this in the dying process. You're losing all the strength and the ability to move, but you're also losing your ability to speak and also loss of bowels and bladder eventually. I think of the word confined, how our patients as nearing the end of their life are being, their license is being removed. They're unable to go out to the store like they used to be. They're confined to their homes or their long-term care facilities and unable to see all of their friends. 
This passage also made me think of the chosen. When all of a sudden the disciples are walking on the mountaintop, wherever they were, and that man approaches them, the man with leprosy. And as the man approaches, the disciples all back up and say, get away from me. You are sick. I don't want your sickness. This is a man who was confined and repulsive. I even think in the world of COVID, I don't want to stick in that because that we're all over this. But when you had COVID, if you've had it, which most of us have, you almost felt repulsive. We have these masks and, oh, stay away from me. So I think in a way, we've even kind of caught a little bit of that. All right, let's jump in. Last section here, verses 11 through 18. Is your love declared in the grave, your faithfulness in destruction? One version said the corridors of hell. Are your wonders known in the place of darkness or your righteous deeds in the land of oblivion or the land of no memory or being forgotten? And then this word that I love. I love in the Bible when it says but or it says yet. Because all of a sudden he says, but I cry to you for help, Lord. In the morning my prayer comes before you. Why, Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? From my youth I have suffered and been close to death. I have borne your terrors, extreme fear, and am in despair. In hopelessness. Your wrath, your extreme anger has swept over me. Your terrors have destroyed me. All day long they surround me like a flood. They have completely engulfed me. You have taken from me friend and neighbor. Darkness is my closest friend. Or as the New Living Translation says, darkness has become my only companion. Mark 15 verse 33 says, At noon darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken The word darkness appears around 175 times throughout the Bible. We get to have two in our passage today. My family and I recently were on a cave tour. We went to Texas to see some family and we got to go inside this cave. And at the heart of the cave, we entered into a place where she said, you are going to experience complete darkness. So turn off your phones, be sure your watches aren't visible, and we're going to turn out the lights. And we experienced complete darkness. And what felt like at least a minute or two, maybe five minutes, was probably only 20 seconds. But the overwhelming sense of darkness came over us. The only bit of light was our family, my family just right next to me, and I knew they were there, but I couldn't see them. I thought even if I just tapped my watch, that would have been the brightest light to be able to see in that cave. So we're going to bring up um, an image of a cave. 
And as I, I, as we were going through the darkness, as I imagine this overwhelming bit of darkness, I imagine, now we've got some light in here because you had to be able to see the picture. But what I imagine was that darkness is very similar to what somebody might experiencing when they're close to suicide. Now, it might not be the physical darkness that's around you, but it is the, the, the mental, that part going on in your heart that there is darkness all around and light cannot pulsate through. But as you check out the picture, we got some light coming. So we're moving, and this is good. Light does come in the morning. For someone who's in the darkness in the night, you sleep, and in the morning, joy will come. Friends, death is not the end. Let's get to the next chapter, Psalm 89. Verse 1 says, I will sing of the Lord's great love forever. With my mouth, I will make your faithfulness known through all generations. I will declare that your love stands firm forever, that you have established your faithfulness in heaven itself. Verse five, the heavens praise your wonders, Lord, your faithfulness too in the assembly of the holy ones. And verse 15, blessed are those who have learned to acclaim you who walk in the light of your presence, Lord. They rejoice in your name all day long. They celebrate your righteousness. For you, God, are our glory and strength. Hebrews 2 verse 18 says, Since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he is able to help us in our time of need when we are being tested. He knows what we're going through. He's been there. But the story of Jesus doesn't end with Good Friday. The good news is a coming. God shows up with a flashlight when we are going through the fog to show us the way. And I love this quote, Joey, if you can bring up our our next slide. I love this quote from Barbara Brown Taylor. She says, if we decide to keep going beyond the point where our minds or our eyes, sorry, are any help to us, we may finally arrive at the pinnacle of the spiritual journey towards God, which exists in complete and dazzling darkness. Yes, God is good even in the dark. It's a choice. It's not a choice as to what comes on us. Things happen to us, the darkness comes. We don't get to choose that, but we do get to choose how we will respond. We can stay wallowing in the pain and continue to question God and say, why is this happening? I don't want this. Or we can awaken each morning and declare that God is good. We can choose to see the light and turn to him and have faith that he is moving even when we can't see it. In our passage, verse 9, we hear the psalmist declare, I call to you, I spread out my hands to you. In verse 13, but I cry to you for help, Lord. He may not see the light, but he is crying out to God because he knows God is faithful. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. A Grace Disguised, an incredible book. I don't even know where it happened to come, but it probably came from the comfort house. Jerry Sitzer has been through incredible grief in his life, and he talked about how grief 
is similar to your soul being elastic. How your soul is like a balloon, where it starts out here as a very small balloon before the, the suffering begins in your life. For some of you, that, that suffering in the darkness began at an early age. For some of you, maybe it didn't happen until your 20s or 30s. But as the suffering goes into your life and into your soul, the balloon enlarges. It enlarges with the grief and the sorrow and the sadness, but it also enlarges so we can have greater joy and peace and all the fruits of the Spirit. So although that balloon can get this big and that sadness can be way down there, that joy can get so large. Our losses should not define us. I don't want to be seen as pitied because I have a child with Down syndrome. I don't want that disability to define us. What I do want to define us is how God's moving through that disability. How God's moving through the darkness and what he is doing in the goodness of it. We have our struggles, as does anybody parenting a child with a disability. We'll continue to have struggles. That's the reality of it, as parents have. I mean, there's, there's going to be struggles. But grief is no different. You lose someone you love, you don't get over that grief. That grief continues on with you. You just learn to live with the grief. I'd like to share a little, little something from our, well, I've already been sharing from our life, but... When my daughter Kayla Joy began dancing in front, as all of you know, if you've been a part of this service, and began singing out loud, I mean very loud, it's all good. As she started doing that, my husband and I had these conversations back and forth. This isn't what church looks like. Okay, okay, I love it. We were uncomfortable. We had to swallow our pride. And as we were discussing this, God used so many of you to speak truth into us. I rarely know how to respond when you come to me and say we enjoy watching her dance, but I love it. You've helped us be okay with this. And I imagine if we would have squashed this and said, God, this isn't you. And we would have said, let's not do this. Or we choose to sit in the back and we choose to do that. Who am I to question God and his goodness? Look at the joy that comes from this girl every Sunday morning. I can't play God. Thank you for your encouragement. Chrissy brought us a beautiful image of what joy looks like. She said that we can experience joy when we've seen the goodness, when we've tasted and seen the goodness of God. As I watched heaven touch earth when my mama was taken up to heaven, oh, I saw the goodness of God. I tasted and I saw and something changed in me and it was beautiful. That joy became greater. The tears all of a sudden started coming and I, I now can see what heaven is like and it has become so real. Heaven is so close to earth. God is good, even in the dark. I believe that God uses the darkness to break down our pride, to break down the, the selfishness in us so that we can be more like him. 
And as followers of Jesus, we have hope. We have a heaven awaiting us, full of great, great joy, getting away the darkness and the sadness and the tears and the shame and the sins of this world. There is joy awaiting us. Another, my last book here. Imagine Heaven, for anybody who's read this incredible book. And the one thing that stuck out in this book for me what is that it talked about these life reviews. These life reviews appeared to be you get up to heaven and your life is played out before you. But what you're seeing in the span of your entire life, for some short, for some long, you are seeing everything from God's perspective. And all those questions of why did this happen and why have you allowed this darkness to come in, you get to see that his goodness was strewn through it all. It all comes to light and we get all those questions of why. Friends, we do not grieve as those without hope. I see my patients who have no hope and who do not know Jesus. There is no hope in the death process. But when we serve our Heavenly Father, we have a joy that is coming to us that we have never known. We have hope. As we get to the response. I'm going to turn us to Job. I know we got to the high. Now we're bringing back down to the low, but bear with me. We're getting there. Now, Job was a very sad guy, and I don't have a page number for you. We're not going to go through all the verses of it. Job lost all of his possessions. He lost all of his children. He lost um, his health. Was in, he was in bad health. On this other side, he kept his wife. He kept his so-called friends, if we would call them that. He kept his life, so he was still living, and he kept his faith. And his faith was what kept him going. I felt called to look at the book of Job as I was preparing for this, because I thought, well, that's a lot of darkness, and that's a lot of sadness, so let's just kind of go there. This book has 42 chapters, and 37 of those verses are Job questioning God, Job's friends questioning him, losing the respect of his wife, and it goes on and on and remind me of these verses day after day, night after night, I call out to you. That is what Job did. In a minute, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. And I want you to imagine that sitting across from you is Jesus with love in his eyes, whatever picture of Jesus you can imagine. Maybe it's the Jesus from the chosen or maybe it's the Jesus picture I think that's still out there. And I want you to imagine you are holding hands with Jesus and he's looking at you and he's gonna say some words to you that I felt just penetrated my heart as I was listening to this. So if you don't mind, if you want, I'd ask you to close your eyes. Get in a comfortable position and just imagine Jesus is across, right next to you, in front of you. And he's saying to you, he's speaking out of the storm. And he says to you, my child, who is this that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man or woman. I will question you and you shall answer me. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? 
Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? On what were its footings set? Or who laid its cornerstone while the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy? Who shut up the sea behind doors when it burst forth from the womb? When I made the cloud its garment and wrapped it in thick darkness? When I fixed limits for it and set its doors and bars in place? When I said, this far you may come and no farther? Have you, my child, comprehended the vast expanses of the earth? Tell me if you know all this. What is the way, the way to the abode of light and where does darkness reside? Will you who contends with the Almighty correct him? Please trust me and stop questioning my ways. I have your life in my hands, Jesus says. For my ways are not your ways, and my plans for your life are in my perfect plan. I love you, my child, and I've got you. You may open your eyes. Anybody else questioning God with what's going on in your life for your family? I'm going to invite the worship team back up. Clayton said something in April that, that really struck me when he was teaching. He asked, how deep are your roots when calamities strike? Where do you turn when you're given five years to live? What about three weeks to live? Do we continue to question God and say, why me? I don't want this. Or do we run with reckless abandon and sprint into the arms of our everlasting Father who grabs us and says, welcome home, my faithful child. I want those kind of roots like my mama had. I even think, and I'm going to push in to say that I think darkness is even showing up the better version of goodness that God wants to bring into our lives. God is good even in the dark. Even Jesus had a choice. Jesus could choose. He knew why he came to earth. He knew that that was the reason to save us from our sins and to bring us into eternal life with him. Yet he still had the choice. Mark 14, verse 35 and 36 says, going a little farther, he fell to the ground and he prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. And then these beautiful nine words. Joey, I'm going to have you pull it up on the screen. He said, yet... Not my will, but what you will. Will you join me in saying these words? You might not believe it today, but I want you to practice saying these words with me. So if you'll join me, 
yet not what I will, but what you will. One more time, great, thank you. Yet not what I will, but what you will. Jesus was our perfect example. May we follow after him.